0: Welcome to this week's energy show. Now, not since the advent of central heating and cooling has home energy technology changed so much. These new technologies are all electric, and almost without exception, they're cheaper to operate, they're cheaper to install, they're more comfortable, they're more convenient, they're safer, and obviously they're cleaner. So on today's show, we're going to talk about what you have to do to prepare for these new technologies. Now, some of these things you should implement right away. Like upgrading your home electrical service to 200 amps. Businesses also need a larger service for these new components. And putting in a solar and battery storage system. Now, it may sound a little bit self-serving, but 100% candid that it makes sense for you to put these solar and storage systems in in 2021 because net metering is going to change next year and the economics forever are going to be less favorable than if you put the system in now. Now, some of these new electrification technologies, maybe you wanna wait until they're more convenient or more cost-effective for you. Now, it's always been my recommendation to wait until your old appliances die before upgrading. So wait until your gas furnace dies. That's the most economic time to put in a brand new heat pump HVAC system. You might wanna be a little more proactive and put a newer system in now, even though you still have some operable equipment, but you're gonna get the best economics if you're just replacing something old with something way better. But you need to plan for these electrification upgrades. None of them need natural gas, all of them need more electrical power so your house and your business are going to need more circuits more capabilities than they have right now even if you have solar in storage now this transition started modestly with led lighting about 15 years ago now we've got rooftop solar we've got battery storage systems both of which are very cost effective and, and reliable we have heat pumps for both heating and cooling we have heat pump water heaters EV chargers, obviously if you have an EV. Induction stoves and cooktops, so not those old-fashioned poor-performing coils, but these things just heat up instantly. And we have more convenient control systems, so you can optimize the operation of these. And these systems have more convenient control systems, so that they can be optimized to save you the most money. So I mentioned, to prepare for electrifying your home and business, do these two things right away. First, make sure you have an upgraded electrical service. Do this now because you can electrify your 100 amp service or 125 amp service with a new 200 amp service and you get a 26% tax credit on that work if it's done in conjunction with solar and storage. Now, the electric service upgrade refers to increasing the size of the utility wires going from the street to your house. Usually, homes increase the size of the service from 100 or 125 amps that they installed, you know, 50, 60, 70 years ago, to 200 amps. A lot of new homes right now have even 400 amps. And these electrical wires are either run above ground or underground. Older houses have above ground. Some newer houses have underground service that looks cleaner. And so keep in mind, if you have underground wires, these upgrades are going to be more expensive because sometimes it requires some digging to dig up the old little wires and put in new wires. Now, many of these older homes have old 100 amp, and 125 amp electrical services, that's the thickness of the wire, and a correlation with the 100 or 125 amp main electrical panel. Now these small electrical panels are inadequate for even a partially electric home. Let me give you an example of the power requirements really measured by the circuit breaker for each of these devices. A heat pump for heating requires a 40 amp breaker. That's what you're gonna need if you replace your gas furnace. If you talk to your HVAC guy or your electrician, you may be able to use your existing circuit breaker for your central air conditioner for the heat pump. That's what I did in my house. I had a 40-amp breaker for my old air conditioner. That broke. I put in a new heat pump, took out the old gas furnace, and I used the same breaker. Typical EV chargers, these are level two chargers. They have a 40-amp breaker. A heat pump water heater uses either a 15-amp breaker or a 30-amp breaker, and that's what you use to replace your old gas hot water heater. Induction cooktops use a 40-amp breaker. It's usually the same size breakers on an electric cooktop. An electric dryer uses a 30 amp breaker. You know, your old gas dryer probably just has a 15 amp breaker. And so when you add all that up, you're going to see, gee, this doesn't work on 100 or 125 amp service anymore. You may not implement all these things at once, but at some point soon, you're going to start saying, hey, I want to put in a new electric dryer. Oh, I got to upgrade my electric service. I bought an EV. Oh, I have to upgrade my electric service. You're going to do that. And so I'm just suggesting you plan for it to make sure you have the adequate electric service for your house. Now, what's going to happen is the city inspector and maybe the utility is going to add up the amperage required for all these new appliances. and going to say, hey, you know, you can't put in an EV charger. You can't put in a big solar system. You can't put in an electric dryer because you don't have enough service capacity. And here's the thing. You're going to want to do these things suddenly. Oh, my dryer broke. I need a new one. Oh, my furnace broke. I need a new one. Oh, my hot water heater is leaking. I need a new one. Well, that's not the time to say, gee, I need an electric service upgrade because it's going to take three to six months due to utility delays to put that electric service upgrade in. And it's also about depending on the size of your wiring and your house construction, it's going to cost between five dollars and $10,000 to do these upgrades. Now, the really good news is that the 26% solar investment tax credit also applies to electrical upgrades for solar and storage. So it's going to cost 26% less. So if you put in solar or storage at the same time you say, I'm upgrading my electric service, your costs for that electric service goes down by 26%. And also just... I've been doing this for 20 years. Since most of this work is built by the utility and uses expensive electrician labor, the cost for doing these upgrades is not going to go down. It's going up. I mean, like 15 years ago, it was only $2,000. Now it's like $5,000. All right. Second thing you should do right away is consider, and I don't want to be too pushy about this, but sincerely, this is something that makes sense. Install a solar and battery backup system. Rooftop solar panels can reduce your electric bill to zero. Just opened up a check that I got yesterday. This is kind of, you know, a coincidence. And I got a five hundred dollar check back from the San Jose clean energy system. because I had put in a slightly bigger electric system than I needed, solar power system. My bill was negative. I got five hundred dollars back. It was great. I'd framed the check, but I really gotta cash it first. All right. So these solar and backup battery systems are gonna reduce your electric costs and they're gonna give you backup power for the next blackout do this now because you're going to get the fastest payback the sooner you do it. And you get the 26% tax credit. And keep in mind, as you replace these gas appliances with electric appliances, you're going to use more electricity. You're going to get an EV at some point. So consider oversizing your system. That's what I did for my house. I'm not going to get a $500 check back from my utility in a few years because my wife is going to get an electric car. So with two electric cars, I'm going to probably be breaking even there. So just paybacks right now for solar are in the five to eight year range, sometimes a little more, sometimes a little less, depending on your house. The solar panels are guaranteed for 25 years and panels that I installed in 2001 are still going strong. Now, talk about battery systems a little bit. First, a battery system is going to save you money. And the reason is, based on the way utility billing has changed, electric rates are low during the day and they're high at night. So what you do is instead of selling your excess solar power back to the utility in the middle of the day when you get a low credit, you save that energy in your battery. And then the battery powers your house in the afternoon and evening when electric rates are really high. Essentially, you're time-shifting your energy use. It works great. And the second reason that people are flocking to install batteries is they give you backup power. Now, the grid's increasingly less reliable. I mean, we all know that. There's rolling blackouts. There's public safety power shutoffs. There's wildfires. And this is just continuing. We're right now, you know, it's the summer. It's going to get worse this fall. Every year, it seems to get worse and worse. Already in 2021, California is experiencing its worst fire season ever. You know, not only is the power less reliable, the reason why it's so important to have electricity is our lives are more dependent on electricity. So when power goes out, it's like Gilligan's Island. I apologize, but you know I'm, I'm not a lousy singer, but you get no lights, you get no fridge, you get no internet, not a single luxury. Like Robinson Crusoe, without power for his EV. All right, sorry about that. Okay, I should cut back on some of the goofy jokes. All right, so keep in mind that electric rates are marching steadily upwards. pg increased their rates 11% this year, And they asked in June, the Public Utilities Commission, for another $3.6 billion increase next year to cover transmission line maintenance. That's going to increase average home electric rates by $37 a month. That's a ton. And the amount of maintenance required for these lines keeps going up more and more every year. We're putting in more and more transmission lines every year. So there's no doubt in anybody's mind that the electric rates are going to continue to go up. Average rates right now for homeowners are about thirty-five cents a kilowatt hour here in, in the Silicon Valley area. If rates keep going up by six percent a year, it's, the math is pretty easy. The rates are going to be a dollar a kilowatt hour by twenty forty. It's just going to happen. They don't go up in a straight line. They, you know, sometimes they go up by three percent, sometimes they go up by eight percent, and the utilities are continuing to see their cost increases. So there's an important reason to put in solar and storage this year. I touched on it briefly. Utilities are currently on what's called net metering 2.0. And that's very favorable for solar customers. You get almost the retail rate when you're running your meter backwards during the day, and there's no fancy charges other than $10 a month. And people are grandfathered. There's a proposal in being aggressively lobbied by the utilities to change net metering next year, 2022, to what's called net metering 3.0. And net metering 3.0, if the utilities get their way, is gonna have very high monthly fees for solar customers. Right now, it's like $10 a month. It's just like a fixed fee. It's gonna be 50, 60, 70 a month. They wanna reduce the solar reimbursement rates by 50%. So if your rates are 35 cents, right now you get reimbursed at like 32 cents. They wanna cut that reimbursement rate to 17 and a half cents. They want to change the grandfathering for customers. So even though you thought you were going to get a good deal for 25 years, they want to change that deal. So you really need to have your solar system installed by the end of 2021 so we can have it interconnected effectively by early 2022. Okay, talked about the basics. Now let's start talking about the new technologies that are becoming ubiquitous. I just kind of summarize it right now. Next, heat pumps are everywhere. Now, heat pumps are basically air conditioners or refrigerators, but they operate in reverse. Now, I've done other shows on heat pumps, so I'm not gonna elaborate now. But just keep in mind that these systems are really efficient. They operate in a cooling mode like a refrigerator, but then the refrigerant goes backwards and then you can actually heat things. Then you can do the heating of your house, you can do heating of the water, and you can even heat your electric dryer if you want. And they're so efficient that you're looking at costs are like a third less than an ordinary electric appliance. Now, because of these new technologies that they're usable, they're efficient, they're reliable... They also are very clean. They don't use natural gas. Many of these systems are required on new construction for many cities in San Jose. You build a house... You cannot put in old gas appliances. Maybe there's some exceptions here and there. It's kind of a bummer for people who really like to cook on those gas stoves, but it's just a transition we're making. If people kind of are like, kind of want to change, you should really check these systems out before you finalize your opinion because I'll tell you they work great, including the electric conduction cooktops. Now, the other thing that the builders are like, we don't want to deal with mandates, but these builders are saying, gee, it's cheaper for new construction to put in a heat pump heating system, to put in a heat pump water system, to even put in an induction cooktop, because you don't need a natural gas hookup. You don't have to run those underground pipes. You don't have to pay a ton of money to the gas company every month forever. So it's cheaper. It's cheaper for the builders. It's obviously cheaper to operate. So the, the biggest thing you can do, most cost effective, most saving right off the bat, is replace your gas furnace and your old central air conditioning compressor with a single heat pump HVAC system. One system for both heating and cooling. Operating a heat pump is cheaper than a natural gas furnace. It takes up less space. It's obviously cleaner and safer than burning natural gas. And when it's in a cooling mode, it works exactly the same as a regular air conditioner. Now, when should you replace your furnace in your air conditioner? Well, from an environmental standpoint and a savings standpoint, annual savings standpoint, do it the sooner the better but I mentioned previously that you're going to get the best economics when you make this change when one of your units dies. So I installed my heat pump HVAC system when the old air conditioner was dead. I was like, okay, I got to replace the air conditioner. Do I replace it with another air conditioning unit or do I at the same time replace the gas furnace, just rip that thing out? And I ended up ripping out the old gas furnace. Furnace was 10 years old, still worked. Now I got more space in my garage. Now the newest kind of heat pump is designed to heat water. It's a tank, but instead of gas fire at the bottom of the tank heating the water, there's a little heat pump thing. It's like a little, little refrigerator that op- operates in reverse that heats the water in the tank. Once again, the sooner you put this in the better from a monthly savings and an environmental standpoint, but definitely replace your old gas water heater with a heat pump when the gas water heater dies. You'll know because there's a puddle on the floor. Now, the heat pump water heater fits in the same place. Plumbers can put it in. The only trick is some models require an additional set of electrical wiring, a 30 amp electric service. Not that big a deal. If you have a 200 amp service, if you took my advice earlier and you're upgrading, no problem. If you have an older 100 or 125 amp service, you got to upgrade. So make sure you have that upgraded 200 amp service. So when your old gas water heater dies, you can pick up the phone and call a plumber and he's going to have that thing in, you know, within a few days. All right. Now, the costs for these heat pump water heaters right now, I mean, they're about $1,000 more than a standard gas water heater, but many utilities have rebates, including those in Silicon Valley. San Jose has a rebate, Silicon Valley Clean Energy has a rebate, Peninsula Clean Energy has a rebate, there's state rebates, so the costs end up being about the same. So, you know, the benefits of this heat pump water heater, they're way cheaper to operate. I kind of looked at the app that I have on my heat pump water heater. I'm using 50 kilowatt hours of energy for heating hot water a month. And at $0.10 a kilowatt hour, which is what I'm paying with solar, that's only $5 a month. I pay $5 a month for hot water heating. My water bill, on the other hand, is $150 a month in the summer. So, I mean, it's just like a pit as far as heating the water, buying the water. It's a fortune. All right. So these heat pump water heaters are cleaner and safer than natural gas They won't explode. There's no fumes that can kill you. They're more reliable than tankless water heaters. And I found the tankless water heaters, I've had them on my homes. They get sediment, they get clogged. The hot water doesn't come out. It fluctuates between hot and cold. So they're more reliable. And as an added bonus, I figured this out. The exhaust from a heat pump water heater, remember it's heating the water. And where does that heat go? It turns into cold air. So the exhaust from this heat pump water heater comes out of a little fan on the side. It's cold air. And I send that cold air exhaust, it's perfectly clean, to the corner of my garage where my wife stores her fruits and vegetables. And by the way, below those fruits and vegetables, I have my little wine collection. So I can keep my wine cool too. All right. Next, EV chargers. Now, if you have an electric vehicle, you're going to need a home EV charger. It makes the most sense to get a level two charger. Level one chargers charge at 120 volts. It can take a week to charge up your car. A level two charger charges at 240 volts and 30 amps, and you can get your car fully charged overnight. And so that makes total sense. Level three chargers require a new electric service. They're really expensive. You know, I wouldn't recommend those for most homes. Now here's an interesting opportunity when you look at EV chargers in the context of these other electrification activities. Some inverters, like SolarEdge, have an EV charger option. So the EV charger connects directly to your solar system and it charges more efficiently. You can actually go from the rooftop solar, which is DC. It can charge your car directly from DC. So there's just more efficiency there. And you're not going through a separate unit. It also, since it's all coordinated with solar and your electric rates, it can charge automatically at the best times. So since this solar edge EV charger uses the same circuit breaker as the solar system, you don't need a separate breaker. So the wiring costs are lower. Overall, it's going to be cheaper than putting in a regular EV charger. And it works with all cars. I mean, it works with a Tesla. It works with the Volt. It works with, you know, pretty much everybody's car. They're standardized right now. And controlling your EV charging with an app is easy. Tesla has really cool apps that that allow you to control this. SolarEdge has one app that controls and monitors the solar, the EV charging, other appliances in your house. So it's really convenient. I usually charge my car when I'm home on weekends during the day from excess solar. So, normally I charge the car after midnight when rates are really cheap, but sometimes if I'm home on the weekend, I'll charge during the day after my batteries are full. So, this charger is smart enough to know okay, I'm filling up the batteries, batteries are full, meeting all the needs of the house. Instead of sending the power back to the utility at a low rate, I'm going to send that power to my EV, even though the EV isn't scheduled to charge now. And it also avoids the efficiency loss of charging the car battery during the day. And then, if you charge your car at night, the first thing you're going to do is deplete your battery. kind of avoid that. Now let's talk about induction cooktops. My wife and I hate ordinary electric cooktops. That's because houses that we've had had those things and we would just burn the food, wasn't really allowing us to cook with really regulated heat. Those red glowing coils, you can turn them off, but then they're still hot. So it's hard to control. It's slow to start. It's slow to turn off. The cooktops are really hot afterwards And, you know, in many ways, gas is better. You turn it off, you can turn it really low, you turn it on, you know what's going on, it's great. But in our experience, after having lots of gas stoves, lots of electric cooktops, coils, the new induction cooktops are even better than gas. I would say, unless you're a commercial cook, you just definitely go with gas. And, And even if you're a commercial cook, they make some commercial induction cooktops. So the way they work is these induction cooktops use standard iron or stainless steel pans. They must be magnetic, ferromagnetic pots and pans. They won't work with aluminum, and they won't work with certain kinds of stainless steel that aren't magnetic. But... Most of what we have is all iron and steel. And what happens is this induction capability, it's like a transformer underneath the glass of the cooktop, and that transforms the electricity, and it couples with the iron or the stainless steel pan, and it heats the pan directly, not via conduction from the burner. So there's no conduction that's happening from hot glass or actually radiation up to the burner, and it's not like a gas stove where you've got flames going around. So the surface of the stove isn't hot, The heat goes on immediately and off really fast. I've never seen any kind of cooking system that would boil water basically so quickly. And if it can boil quickly, that means you're dumping so much heat in there. And then there's a couple of other advantages that you just kind of realize. The handles on the pan aren't hot because you don't have these flames going around the side of the pan. So it's great. So if you're a a commercial chef, you work in a restaurant, maybe that's not the perfect thing. But otherwise, induction's easier, cleaner, safer. There's no fumes, and they're saying that cooking fumes are bad for people's health. It's just definitely a way to go. Now, the costs for an induction cooktop are slightly more than an old-fashioned electric cooktop and more than a gas cooktop. But it's really easy to replace an existing gas cooktop or electric cooktop. Same exact sizes, same power requirements as an old-fashioned electric stove. And, you know, from my humble opinion, from a safety and cooking standpoint, same energy, induction's definitely the way to go. All right, now... Finally, we talked about devices that you're going to put in, but you know, a lot of these things are controlled with new internet-connected control systems. You're familiar with Wi-Fi internet thermostats. That's a great example. Nest and, and you know, all the other manufacturers make these things. The appliances that you put in, the heat pump water heaters, the HVAC systems, the EV chargers, the solar, it's all connected to the internet with some kind of app. Very convenient. You have more control options, change things remotely You've got good reporting capabilities. I mean, that's how I know I use $5 a month on eating my water. Otherwise I'd never know. They are more complicated, but that's kind of the way our life is. We have apps for everything. So on my phone, I was just kind of looking at this. I've got an app for my thermostat and it's a two zone system. So I've got an upstairs and a downstairs zone. I've got an app for my water heater. Eh, you know, I don't really don't need it except when I go on vacation, which I can do again now that COVID's over, and I can turn the temperature down to eighty degrees when I'm gone. I just have to be smart enough to turn it back up when I get home, otherwise the first shower I take is freezing. The solar and battery systems, great reporting. You can see how the battery's doing. You can see if there's any issues with the system. You can see how much you're generating, getting system status. The EV charger, it's easy to charge to set it up. A lot easier to to change the times on the app than the stupid displays on the car. My old car, I could barely even figure it out. And it's easy to modify the settings. It's easy to say, all right, for whatever reason, it's not the middle of the night, but I plugged in my car in the afternoon and I got to go somewhere, I can charge right away. I even have an app for my garden irrigation system which is you know really there it's saving me the most money out of everything because my only remaining utility is water and it's a fortune so that's great now i noticed that my oven and fridge have apps that's going too far i mean they're even coming out with apps for these like fancy like you know bidet toilets but that's going too far i I can't be bothered yet now there's a few other new technologies that are out there that i think are cool but that aren't really ready for prime time one of them is heat pump dryers so instead of Heating the air in your dryer, which an electric dryer does. It just heats the air with resistive elements. There's a heat pump in the dryer. And theoretically, it's going to be three times more efficient. But you know, for me, candidly, with solar, I mean, just put another one or two solar panels in, and then you got enough electricity for your dryer forever. It's a lot simpler. And the heat pump dryers are going to be more complicated. So I would wait a little bit on that. You know, I know some people are interested in the latest and greatest things, but you might want to wait a little bit on that. There's vehicle-to-grid capabilities. Big opportunity here. And the idea is to use the battery in your EV to power your house at night when rates are high and get also backup power. If the power goes out, you can plug your car in. You have an 80-kilowatt-hour battery. It's a huge battery. And then you can power your house, get backup power. The problem is that unless your employer where you work provides free charging you're not going to be able to keep your car charged during the day so where do you charge up your car well you charge your car at night so you know you can't be charging your car at night at the same time you are using the battery for your house at night so there's just kind of a little bit of a mismatch there you know, furthermore, a lot of the EV manufacturers don't allow you to use your battery for non-vehicle use. So the battery's got a warranty. You know, it's like a powertrain warranty on an old car. They have a warranty for ten years, for a hundred thousand miles, whatever. But it's based on the assumption that you're using the battery for driving, not for daily charging and discharging at home. So they haven't really started to offer that capability. And, and as far as the commercial charging, I think it'll be great when people have everybody's workplace has EV chargers. It makes a lot of sense to them in companies because you can be charging during the day when electricity is cheap. There's lots of solar on the grid, but there's electric rate issues. It's not going to happen right away. Now you see commercials. I mean, there's a the new Ford Lightning pickup truck, really, really cool. So you can actually use that battery in that truck to run your house. That'd be great. You're going to need some kind of transfer switch, when you plug that truck into your house's electrical service, you need to make sure that your house is off the grid. And also that's just a battery. You're going to need to have an inverter that's big enough, you know, 10,000 watt inverter to power your house. So it's not as easy as it sounds, but I think eventually we'll get there. But I'd say at least 10 years out before vehicle to grid gets really popular. So finally, another new technology that's out is what's called a smart electrical panel. Companies like Span, like Square D, there's a couple of others that are out there that have electric panels where the circuit breakers are all individually controllable. I think that's really cool, and it fundamentally, conceptually, Lutron's the other one that I thought of. They're making it, but I think it's going to take a while before it becomes popular. And also, if you have sensors and if you have solar and storage. It's not, in my mind, really one of the things you're going to worry about, you know, does that kitchen outlet have power and am I going to control my refrigerator differently? So I think the way we have it right now with systems, it's pretty good. I'm also very nervous about making the electrical panel in the house overly complicated because that's something that's going to sit inside your wall for 50 years and I just don't want to see any moving parts in there, but we'll see how things go. It's a good concept and we're looking at putting those in for customers. All right, just kind of wrapping up in conclusion, it's easy to prepare your house for these new energy technologies. It's straightforward to replace your old, inefficient, expensive, polluting gas appliances. The key is to think ahead. Plan for more electric appliances. Make sure you upgrade your electrical service. And don't let your electric and gas utility try to lock you into their old gas and grid-supplied electricity forever that's what they're trying to do they're not going to support these efforts but if you want to save money have reliable power and you know have the cleanest operating house this is what you should do so do three things upgrade your electric service to 200 amps and you can get the solar tax credit for that if it's done at the same time. Put in a solar and battery backup system. Oversize it for future use because you get money back if you overproduce. As I said, I just got a $500 check from San Jose Clean Energy. And the third thing to do is install new electrical appliances. When your gas appliances die or you renovate your home, or you're getting ambitious and you know you want to do your part to save the world. Okay. That's all the time we have on this week's energy show. Thanks to all of our listeners for tuning in. And if you missed any of today's show, you can go to our website at cinnamon.energy and listen to the podcasts.